Open your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 5. We are right in the middle or right at the conclusion of, a, of, a, of the series that we were in on the Ten Commandments. And uh, so really, uh, I, I was planning on concluding uh, the series with sort of a, and so what? Right? So you got, we, we went through each of the ten when, and when we did a pretty good job. Of course, we could, they're, they're big and beautiful and wonderful to explore. But we have, here it is. Here's what it means, having been loved by God. Here's what it means to love God. Here's what it means to love one another. Here's what living like an image bearer looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So what? <laughs> then the response is, then we live that way. We don't just recognize these commandments. We don't just recognize them and say, awesome, those are cool. We want to respond to them. And this is one of the things, this is one of the, the, the responses, the implications. This is, how we've, this is what Jesus does as he brings us at the Sermon on the Mount. He is talking to his disciples about living like we really are disciples of Jesus. So this morning I want to talk about, in light of all we said, I want to emphasize, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about the essential church. Would you all say the essential church? How many believe the church is essential? Now I realize that for some of you, even using the word essential is a little bit like PTSD. You get a little triggered by that. And I I totally understand that. I'm I'm there with you, of course, in many ways. But uh, I believe the church is essential. And, And a few years ago, people began to have a debate as to whether or not it was. And then, I, and then in this house particularly, there's been a lot of voices. If I've been bringing that up, they think I'm starting to fight. It is essential. Yes. I agree. I think we've proven that we agree with that. But, but I want to press on that. I'm, I guess I would say I'm grateful for the opportunity for us to ask the question, what makes an essential church and why are we essential? Because I believe that is that I believe this is true. Here's what we need to just acknowledge: that the church that Jesus described, the church that Jesus prescribed, that is the church that is essential. Yes. For, more than four of us need to agree with that before we move forward. Yes. Well, let, let me see if I can persuade you further. Matthew chapter five, and beginning at verse thirteen, just the just a few verses here. You are the salt of the earth, but If the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It it can. It is no longer good for anything. Which just lean in here quietly without offending. We would say at this point, salt has become non-essential. Except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town on a, built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. Disciples of Jesus must be salt and light or there will be decay and darkness. This is why the church is essential. And this is also how the church becomes irrelevant. 
When the church ceases to be salt and light, she increasingly becomes irrelevant, unessential. See, regardless of our ubiquity, ubiquity just means to be, you know, just kind of everywhere. There are places, there are towns in the U.S. that there are, there's a church on every corner. And there are some towns that the, there's a church on every corner and in the middle of the block and on the other corner. And then, of course, if you're like me, you've been, been in, in Vancouver area for more than a few minutes, you've, or and in church for a three or four, you have heard that we live in the most unchurched area of the nation. So that means instead of a church on every corner, there's, there's a few corners in between. Except for that, it's, it depends, because sometimes, depending on the season... There's also a church renting every auditorium, every gymnasium, and every cafeteria, and every hotel ballroom in the city. <laughs> but our, our, the ubiquity of the church doesn't make us essential. Her, our popularity, our political power, sometimes we, are, we kind, of, kind of just you know, feel our oats a little bit. We feel pretty politically powerful. Other times we get mad that we're not. Our activities don't make us essential. Not even, not even, I'll just hang on, not even just the, the sacerdotal nature of those activities. Having, you know, the sacraments and things like that doesn't necessarily make us essential. It doesn't matter if we're praised or we're persecuted. See, with all of, all of those things are good and right and we should do all of those things, but it is only we are only as essential, we are only as effective, we are really only as relevant as we are salt and light. We can be busy, we can get programs, we can have lights, and we will never have fog machines. <laughs> if there's fog in this room, shout glory. Yeah. <laughs> If there's fog in this room, woo, get ready. I'm going to be running around crazy because something else is happening. Did you see my worship pastor jump off his seat and yell at me? Come on. That's why I want this boy. It's right. <laughs> All right. Get it. Shout. <laughs> now I got excited. I don't know where I'm going. No fog machines. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how great our Instagram account is. It doesn't matter all of the things. If we must be salt and light. You are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Jesus is speaking to his disciples in Matthew 5. To his disciples. So this is not necessary. Anybody can read it, but the, it's targeted to his followers. Not everybody gets is where you, This is those who are wearing the, the lanyard that says disciple. And there is something about being a follower of Jesus. According to Jesus, there's something about being a follower of Jesus that makes this salt and light, that makes this your identity. There's something about being his disciple that makes this your mission. There's something about being a follower of Jesus that makes salt and light a consequence of your authentic presence in the world. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are the salt of the earth you are the light of the world this is who you are and what you are this is the this is the effect that your life that our lives have together
upon the world around us. What does that mean? We can try to feel the weight of it, but it gets even more wonderful as we consider the meaning. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. Everybody say salt of the earth. That is not the first time you've heard that. People, people, oh, that guy, you got to like Ray. He's the salt of the earth. People say that. And, and they say it all the time, and, and they mean it well. And the thing is, if you've been in church, again, for a couple of minutes, you've heard one or two youth pastor sermons or seen bumper stickers or even a Christian meme, then there's, you realize that people like to make up all kinds of things about what it means to be the salt of the earth. In the text, in the, in the context of this passage, here's what it means. Salt was a preservative. And it was used in order to prevent decay. Now, of course, salt has other uses. So please do not come up to me after the service. Hey, Pastor Gav, you know salt? Also? Yes. Yes, I'm aware. Yes. People say, well, you know what? One of the things that I go, kick, 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 what I hear people say is that Jesus says we're the salt of the earth. And you know, salt makes things flavorful. And that's what we're supposed to do, make the world flavorful. I'm not against making the world flavorful, but if Jesus would have meant that, he could have said, y'all are the spice of life. Y'all are the onions in the casserole. Oh, tasty. We're very tasty, right? You come to me. You come to me. And say, you know, Dav, salt melts ice. Yes, we melt the frozen hearts of the world. You know, and I got, I got this. I got this. Sam Lawn, a couple other people last night. You know, salt kills slugs. Just spiritual warfare. How did that husky guy kick like that? <laughs> I, I did not. My, that's a, hmm. I have stretchy jeans. In the context, salt means that it prevents decay. It deters corruption. Decay, corruption progresses unhindered until it hits salt. And then it stops. Decay, corruption progresses and spreads until it hits salt. And then it goes this far and no further. Without salt, there's no hope to stop it. You are the salt of the earth. Your presence prevents decay. Your presence, your life deters corruption. Decay, corruption spreads, imitates, it's contagious. People imitate it, perpetuate it until it lands on you. And then it stops. Why? Because you don't do it. Because you don't do it. Unless salt loses its saltiness. And then salt is useless. How does salt lose its saltiness? By losing its purity. When salt takes on or is affected by by the chemicals of other minerals. 
it loses its saltiness. Particularly, this is true, and we understand in the Mediterranean con- uh, uh, climate, where salt would have been uh, uh, one source of salt would have been to take from the sea. They would have taken large leaves and scooped up seawater and pulled them out, and then dried that seawater. And then, as it was drying, this is the important part. As it was drying, they would separate the minerals, and the salt had to be immediately and carefully kept separate from the other minerals. Because if not, if they had contact, if they, if they weren't kept separate, then the chemical makeup, the, 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 these minerals would leach on and it would, and it would affect the salt. The salt would lose its saltiness and become worthless. The only way that salt is useful is if it's different. Salt cannot become like something else or it ceases to become or to be salt. It has to be different. And you, too, you, as the salt of the earth, you must be pure. We must be different if we are going to make any difference. We are relevant, we are essential, not by becoming more like the world, but by, by, but by being different from the world. We cannot become more like anything but Jesus, or we will lose our ability to prevent decay. We can't combat decay by being more like it. You are the salt of the earth. Your presence prevents decay. Not by force, but by being different. Just not doing that. By being pure in your devotion to Jesus. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says to the Ephesian church. He says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. Paul insists on this. You must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Now, he's, he's talking the Gentiles, ethnos, nations. Do not live like those outside of Christ. In the futility of their thinking, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts, having lost all sensitivity. They've given themselves over to, you should read the Bible out loud, okay? They've given themselves over to all kinds of sensuality. You can see how irritated he is. So as to indulge in every kind of impurity, they're full of greed. But that is, however, not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is corrupted by deceitful desires and to be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul continues in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, the end of chapter 6, end of verse uh, 7, uh, chapter 7 and verse 1. Paul says this, And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Oh, say it out loud. We are the temple of the living God. If there's one conviction that can go down deep into our expectometer that will give us comfort and confidence and cause us to live differently, it's for us to remember to walk in this confidence. We are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live among them. Wow. I will walk among them. Awesome. I'll be their God. Yes. They will be my people. Woo. Therefore... 
come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things. And I will welcome you. I'll be your father. You'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Chapter 7, verse 1. Here's the therefore. Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit. And let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. As a follower of Jesus, you live differently than the world because you are the salt of the earth. And Jesus continues, you are the light of the world. And light in this context, Jesus says it clearly means doing good so that others will praise God. Or being the light of the world means doing good works for the glory of God. Good works for the glory of God. That is what it means to be light or to let your light shine. It means to do good works for the glory of God. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. I haven't done that in yet, ever yet, but I've been threatening in my mind. I'm going to sing it, okay? <laughs> this is what you were made for, to let your light shine. It doesn't matter. I love this little light. It doesn't matter how, if you, what you, who you think you are or what you, if you can do or you've got abilities or you've got money or you've got talents or you've got strength. You have the light of Christ. Yeah. And it is more than enough. This is what you were made for, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. This is what you were made for. For you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for you to do. Disciples of Jesus do what is good. We do what is good without concern for applause, without a concern for approval, without concern for acknowledgement, whether they're, we do what is good with no strings attached we do not do if i do good for because i hope to get that someone i i hope to someone will do something back for me then i'm not i'm not doing good i'm engaging in business and a little bit more like organized crime if you do good and you expect a favor your name is probably mugsy We do what is good, not with, an agenda, not with any other agenda than the glory of God. Even if others are doing what is dark, maybe especially when others are doing what is dark. But it doesn't depend on what others are doing. We just do what is good. Here, Paul, in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 15, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Again, not by pointing them out, not by shaming people, but we, the, the, the only way to deal with dark is to be light. 
He says it's shameful to even mention what, is, what uh, the, the disobedient do in secret. But, in, but it's exposed by, by the light. Everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes light. Light is contagious. It drives out darkness. It pushes it away. This is why Paul says, that this is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead. Christ will shine on you. 15, be very careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Verse 16, making the most of every opportunity. Now, the text implies make the most of every opportunity for doing good because the days are evil. If the days, if the days were evil, they probably still are. Yeah, they probably still are. They might have called Paul. Paul, didn't he, Paul, Paul, yeah. Are we in the last days? Yes. Same answer. Are we? In the, yes. The days are still evil, and it's still necessary for you to do good. But you do not, we cannot, we will not be overcome by evil. We will overcome evil with good. They, because the days are evil, because there is darkness, because doing good is what you were created in Christ to do, be the light of the world. Salt and light. Salt and light are both agents of influence. Both of them affect their environment by their presence. And the implication here is both of them are, are, are agents of hope. Hope. This is a message of profound hope that Jesus has called and anointed and enabled us to be hope in this world. Neither salt nor light can affect their environment unless they are present. We aren't salt and light by being removed from or hiding from or living in a cave. But by we are living in this world present, contacting it, but we are living differently and we are doing good. Everyone who follows Jesus has this calling. Everyone who follows Jesus can be salt and light. Everyone who follows Jesus can be or live differently than the world around them. Everyone who follows Jesus can do what is good for the glory of God. If we are not, if we do not, then it really doesn't matter what else we do. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. And there is no plan B. Once we feel the, the greatness, the gravity of this assignment, this identity, once again, we gratefully, glad, <laughs> gladly, desperately Say, Lord, how do we do this? How do we live like this? And the answer is always the same. We rely upon the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are the one. The scripture teaches us that there is the, it is the power of the Holy Spirit that makes us holy, that enables us to live differently than the world. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the 
opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And the Holy Spirit anoints and inspires and enables us to do good. Galatians 5.22 says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And ultimately, we look to the model of our master, of our Lord Jesus. How did he do it? Peter said of the life and ministry of Jesus in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, he said, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went about doing good. Disciples of Jesus must be salt and light. This is the essential church. Let's pray. If you'd like to stand as we close, I welcome you to. Lord, thank you for the overwhelming honor of being your agents, your ambassadors. Thank you for the calling and the assignment to be salt and light in this world. Lord, we ask you tonight, or this morning, we ask you, Lord, to search our hearts and our minds that help us, Lord, to, to throw off, throw off everything that would hinder, everything that would entangle. Lord, we ask you to search our hearts and that we would that we would throw off any compromise and corruption, anything that we have harbored or permitted in our life. Jesus, lead us fully, truly holy. Help us. Lead us in vital contact with your spirit to be spirit-filled and formed disciples of Jesus, spirit-empowered witnesses for Jesus, to be salt and light in our world. Come, Holy Spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Come, Spirit of God, fill us. Holiness, holiness, is what I long for. A holiness is what I need. Holiness, holiness is what you want from me. Sing, take my heart.
we thank you for this calling. We thank you for this assignment. Grant us, Lord, the anointing of your Holy Spirit, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Friends, if you would like someone to pray with you for the infilling of the Holy Spirit, we have prayer workers that will remain and hang back and pray with you this morning. Otherwise, we encourage you to head to the cafe and uh, meet some new friends and hang out with some old friends. God bless you. Thanks for being here today. Righteousness, righteousness is what I long for. Righteousness is what I need. Righteousness, righteousness is what you want.